0: Good morning. To to start off uh, the message this morning, we're going to watch just a short uh, trailer of a video um, of a movie that came out a few years ago called John Q. So here's the video.
1: Lieutenant Frank Grant, Chicago Police Department. Are you the man in charge? That's right. Well, who am I speaking to? John Q. I assume since all the doors are locked, this is a hostage situation. Is that correct? Okay. Bless me, Father. I have sinned. I know you do things your own way.
0: Blood pressure is dropping fast. He's going into cardiac arrest. But I don't
1: understand. Mike's heart is useless. He's going to need a transplant or he's going to die. What do make Mike so sick. Transplant surgery is very expensive. We got insurance. There are no provisions in your policy for a procedure of this magnitude. All right, you want money? I'll get you your money. We've recently switched carriers. We only give assistance to patients without coverage. I'm sorry, I can't help
0: you. Have you tried Medicaid?
1: No, you don't qualify. My son is dying, I'm broke. If I don't qualify, who the hell does? I've done everything I can do, I'm sorry. Please. <laughs> They are releasing him. Now you need to do so I'll something. Don't take care of me. Do something. The hospital's under new management now. Everybody does exactly what I say, nobody will get hurt. I want my kid's name on the donor's list. This is going to end up bad for you, John. The police will do whatever is necessary to preserve the lives of these hostages. Oh, they're telling me i got to take my son home and watch him die. If you could speak to John Q right now, what would you say to him? I'll bear with you and you take care. 5.15, Frank. Right? Something happens for me. Are you praying for him, baby? Yes, I'm praying, sweetheart. He's a good kid. You'd like him. I am not going to bury my son. I got a shot at this guy and I'm going
0: to take it. My son is going to bury me. Take the
1: shot. How's it going to end, John?
0: Have you ever been so desperate about something that you are willing to do something you wouldn't normally do based on faith? In this movie, uh, Denzel Washington's character calls himself John Q, and he takes his son's hospital hostage. Hopefully you gathered that from the from the video clip here. But um, he takes his son's hospital hostage because uh, they wouldn't cover the cost of the son's heart transplant. He was, he was so desperate uh, to find healing, to find uh, services to help his son, uh, that he was willing to do just about anything. He wasn't guaranteed that it would work. Uh, you wouldn't think uh, that it would work, Um, and if you've seen the video, um, if you haven't seen it by now, I'm just going to give you a a little spoiler, because, you know, it was in 2002, so, um, uh, but it, uh, he he ends up, um, the the hospital ends up covering the cost of the transplant, and uh, and his son is able to live, Um, but he didn't know, he wasn't guaranteed that it was going to work, he had to, he had to do it on faith. He had to take the hospital hostage on faith. And so today, we're going to read a passage in John chapter 4, verses 46 through 54, if you want to get out your Bibles. Um, but it's a story of a desperate and extreme faith. Just like, uh, just like John Cude was desperate. He was desperate to find healing for his son. It's very similar uh, to the story that we're going to read um, so turn, turn to John chapter 4, verses 46 through 54. It says, Once more he visited Cana in Galilee, where he had turned the water into wine. And there was a certain royal official whose son lay sick at Capernaum. And when this man heard that Jesus had arrived in Galilee from Judea, he went to him and begged him to come and heal his son, who was close to death. Unless you believe, people see. Unless you people see signs and wonders, Jesus told him, "You will never believe." The royal official said, "Sir, come down before my child dies." Go, Jesus replied, "Your son will live." The man took Jesus at his word, and departed. While he was still on the way, his servants met him with the news that his boy was was living. When he inquired as to the time when his son got better. They said to him, Yesterday, at one in the afternoon, the fever left him. Then the father realized that it was the exact time at which Jesus had said to him, Your son will live. So he and his whole household believed. This was the second sign Jesus performed after coming from Judea to Galilee. So I want to share some observations that I had about this story. Uh, The first is... um, you'll read, uh, you know, that was the second time Jesus had been in Cana, that part of, um, <clears throat> that part of Galilee. And uh, the only way that this royal official could have known who Jesus was is, uh, is if he had heard about Jesus maybe from when Jesus turned the water into wine. This is very early on in Jesus' ministry. And uh, maybe he was, he was even at the wedding where Jesus turned water into wine. Maybe he had just heard about it because it was such a miraculous, uh, miraculous sign. But Jesus wasn't very well known. He hadn't done a whole lot of healings. He, he wasn't even um, promised to, to, to heal him. He didn't even know he could heal people. Uh, all he had known, or all he could have known about Jesus, was that he was maybe a prophet and that he had turned water into wine. Uh, another observation is that um, is that the royal official probably had lots of money. Um, I, I think that's a, a pretty thing, easy thing to assume is that he probably had lots of money. Um, but I say that because if he had lots of money, that probably meant that he had probably exhausted every other resource to find healing for his son. He probably had gone to every doctor in his part of the world. Um, to try and find healing for his son. He had exhausted all other options. So we get this picture of this guy who is just desperate for something. He's going on faith. And he also sees this, we also see this sense of urgency. Uh, he says, Sir, come, come before my child dies. We also can see that, uh, that Jesus knows that people doubt. And this is just kind of a side note, but Jesus says, "Unless you see signs and wonders, and I think sometimes, as Christians, um, as a new believer or a longtime believer, we are scared to admit that, that we doubt. And the reality is is that at some point in our lives, at some point or another, there are going to be things that cause us to doubt our faith, cause us to doubt our Creator. And we have to just face facts and, and be, able to, be able to admit that, that we are not always going to know everything. That we have to be okay with doubting. Another thing is that uh, the man took Jesus at his word and he departed. Uh, he, he didn't spend a lot of time questioning Jesus. You know, well, aren't you going to come to my house and heal my son? Or aren't you going to do this? or Aren't you going to do that? Or why, you know, why, why this? or Why that? Uh, he just acted in obedience. He took Jesus at his word and he departed. So I've kind of developed a working definition of, of what faith is through this story we can see that that faith is taking Jesus at His word, believing in His word, and then acting in obedience. Faith is taking Jesus at His word, believing in His word, and then acting in obedience. So my my question for myself, my question for, for you this morning is, are we doing this? Are we acting in obedience? Are we taking Jesus at His word? Jesus tells us not to worry, but we worry about a lot of stuff. We're worried about Him providing for us, We're worried about different situations in our life. There, there are so many things that, that we do that we don't necessarily take Jesus at His word and believe and act in obedience. So we've seen what faith is and what it looks like in the life of this royal official and how it plays out. But, but what, what does a lack of faith look like? In Mark chapter 6, uh, verses 4 to 6, it says, Jesus said to them, he's talking to the people in Nazareth, his hometown, a prophet is not without honor except in his own town, among his relatives and in his own home. He could not do any miracles there except lay his hands on a few sick people. And heal them, and he was amazed at their lack of faith. The English Standard Version of that passage, verse six, says he marveled at their unbelief. So it's just kind of a gut check this morning. Is is Jesus pleased with our with our obedience to what he's saying and doing, or is he marveling at our unbelief? I want to propose this, this morning, that without faith, God chooses not to work. Without faith, God chooses not to work. Faith is what energizes the work of God in your life and in the lives of those around you. Later on in the story of this royal official, we see that his faith caused others to believe. His whole family converted his faith caused others to believe so if you're really full of faith today if you feel like you are full of faith if you're really trusting and believing in what god is doing and you and your life and and his plan for your life how is it causing others to believe are you acting in obedience to what god has called you to do we're going to watch another video clip um, uh, of a preacher. His name's Francis Chan, and uh, he was a preacher in, uh, in California for a while um, and resigned his church last year um, at one point uh, because he just felt like God was taking him somewhere else, and him and his family uh, went to Asia for about four months. And so this is just a, a picture of a guy who's acting in faith with his whole life, and I just want to show you this clip real quick.
1: off the team whatever you know just there's so much instability so much that we don't understand that that we don't know for me growing up it was uh, a lot of you guys know my mom died giving birth to me and my dad remarried then my stepmom died in a car accident when I was nine then my dad got married again then my dad died of cancer when I was 12 and so I'm in junior high my mom's dead my stepmom's dead my dad's dead the only close relatives I had were my, my aunt, uncle, George, and Sandra. And then when I was in high school, they got in a fight, and my uncle George shot and killed my aunt, and then stuck the gun to his own head, killed himself. So I'm 16 years old, and this is life to me going, man, what's next? Everything seems to be falling apart, and we get a little worried, we get a little scared. And this is what Christians do you know, they try to serve God, but then things get a little rocky. And things get a little unstable. And so we go, okay, that was nuts. I don't, I don't want to live like that. Let me, uh, let me hold on. And this is your routine. This is what so many people do. They go, you know what? I'm not going to try anything crazy. I'm just going to sit here. And uh, I'm just going to hold on. And uh, this is what you look like. You just go, uh, this is what people do. You know what? I'm just going to have my nice little family. We're just going to... Um, you know, we're just going to keep to ourselves. We're going to live in a gated community. I'm going to homeschool my kids, make them wear helmets everywhere. I'm going to, um, you know, I'm not going to let them outside because sun has bad rays. I'm going to, um, you know, just on and on and on. And you just live your life in the safety of I don't want to do anything crazy for God. I just, I just want to, you know, go to church on Sundays and maybe give like 2%. Um, and uh, maybe serve, help the nursery, because I feel guilty. And then you do this your whole life, and then you, you go, your greatest prayer is like, God, you know what, I would love to die in my sleep and not even feel it, and then just go up to heaven. And so th- you want to die like this, just in your sleep, ooh, right in the middle of a dream, good dream, the dream you're going to heaven and you don't even feel it, and then suddenly you wake up, you stand before the judge, and you go, Now, if, uh, could you imagine, could you imagine watching the Olympics, you know, and some girl does that, just gets up there, starts straddling the thing, and then steps off and goes, what is the judge supposed to do on the card? You see, and to me, I go, man, that's the routine that so many Christians are headed for. That's the routine, the boring, I do nothing crazy because I don't want to fall. That's the routine that they're going to live, and then one day it's going to be a shock because they're going to step off that balance beam and realize they're standing before the judge. They're standing before the judge, and you think he's going to look at that routine and go, wow, well done. Well done. You live the safest life possible. You didn't slip. You didn't fall. See, that's not the life that God's called us to. That's where the majority will head. But I don't want to go where the majority
0: goes. Well, I'll show, I'll show you that clip. Yeah, you can clap for it. I love that clip. Uh, I've shown it in Reveal a couple times before. Um, But I think uh, it really fits in uh, to today's topic about our faith. Because I, I look at that and I think, man, that is so true that we are trying to hold on to this balance beam. And my question is, is our faith causing us to hold on to the balance beam? Are we really trusting that God is in control? Or is it causing us to impact others? Is it causing us to, to call other people up onto the balance beam? I think we're scared a lot of times of losing our faith to the point of inaction. We're so scared that, that something that we do that doesn't go exactly the way we thought it might go is, is, is not going to happen. And so we're like, you know, that's going to rock my faith to the core. And I think we, we lead sometimes these really lazy lifestyles, and we want Jesus to be honored with that. And we want Jesus to say, you know, well done, you know. And, and if we're not doing anything, if we're not really trusting in Him, you know, what, what is there to be well done with? It shows no faith at all. Even in our prayer times, I think sometimes we're afraid to ask God for anything because we're afraid of how our faith might take it. We're afraid of how, you know, if we, if we ask for God to heal somebody and that person isn't healed, can my faith take that kind of beating? We're afraid of risk. At least until we become desperate. And we're in a situation like the royal official. And we don't know what else to do. We've exhausted all of our other options. See, our faith impacts not only us, but also those around us. See how the guy in this story, the royal official, his whole family followed him. And men in this congregation, fathers today in this congregation, your faith of your family rides a lot on who you are. And that's a big responsibility to take. But that's the responsibility God has given us. I want to just give you three quick things that we can do to help grow our faith. Uh, one, and I think the royal official really shows this, is that well, we can take risks. We need to be willing to ask God for something big in our lives. When, uh, when my wife and I were getting ready to have our, our first son, Eli, um, about 18 months ago, um, we were trying to decide in, in the nine months leading up to his birth whether or not she was going to stay home with him or she was going to continue working. And, uh, and that's a tough, a tough decision because we felt like, you know, it would be great if she could stay home, but that means that we're going to go from two incomes to one income. And in today's day and age, a lot of times that's just not happening what does that mean for us? What, what does that mean for our family? Are we going to ever be able to go out to eat again? Are we ever going to be able to, you know, do something fun? But the truth is, is that when we took that step of faith of, of saying, you know what, we're committed to this, we want God to honor this, and we want uh, Trina to be able to stay home with Elijah, God blessed us, and, and he continues to bless us. And as it turns out, we're doing just fine. Another thing that we can do to help grow our faith is to earnestly seek Him. Hebrews 11.6 says, And without faith it is impossible to please God, because anyone who comes to Him must believe that He exists and that He rewards those who earnestly seek Him. It's impossible to please God without faith. See, the more you know God, the more you begin to trust him, the more you begin to obey him. And that pleases him. And finally, another thing that we can do to grow our faith is to take him at his word. There are all kinds of promises in this word. In, in the Bible, he gives us all kinds of promises. And in this story, the royal official just takes Jesus at his word. It's so simple. It, it seems like, man, that, that's easy, that's, you know, it's, it's no big deal. But it's a lot harder to do. At some point, we just have to come to terms with, in spite of our doubt, in spite of all the things that are hindering us from believing that God is going to do what He says He's going to do, we just have to take that step. Take Him at His Word. And believe in His Word. And act in obedience. This morning, as we come to this time of commitment... As we come to an invitation time. Um, I want to challenge you to be thinking about your faith life. Are you doubting right now? Do you need prayer for your doubts? Are you ready to take that next step and say, you know what? I do want to believe in Jesus. I do want to put my trust in Him. I do want to put my hope in Him. The band's going to come up. And, uh, and we're just going gonna to have this time to, to just think about uh, these things. To think about what God has done for us this morning. Let's pray. Father, um, man, you're so good to us. And we thank you for giving us someone to trust in. Someone to put our, our faith in. God, it's hard. Um, in today's day and age where money can fix almost everything, where friends can fix almost everything, God, would you help us to just put our faith in you? God, we love you. It's in your name we pray. Amen.